History Helmet. Hello and welcome to the History Helmet podcast, a podcast that likes to look history right in the eye and ask, what are you looking at? First things first, a very happy new year to everyone. This week, the conspiracy of all conspiracies, the JFK assassination. I think it's fair to say that no other killing in history, except perhaps for the crucifixion of Christ, has been discussed so thoroughly and with such disbelief. Disbelief not in the fact that Kennedy was shot and killed, but disbelief in the official narrative, that it was one man acting alone. Let's dive in. First, a little background on the Kennedy family. I guess the Kennedys are the closest the USA has to a royal dynasty. And along with all the wealth and privilege of a royal family, they have had, I think it can be said without fear of exaggeration, far more than their fair share of tragedy. Okay, here we go. So, Patrick Kennedy, that's JFK's great-grandfather, arrived in America from Ireland in 1849 with his wife, Bridget, nee Murphy, and settled in Boston. Patrick was a barrel maker, and Bridget was a housewife. They had five children, the youngest being Patrick Joseph, or P.J. Kennedy. That's JFK's paternal grandfather. P.J. was a businessman and also worked for the Massachusetts State Legislature. He married one Mary Augusta Hickey. I bet you can imagine the nickname she had in high school. And they had four children. Their oldest was named Joseph or Joe Patrick Kennedy, who would become JFK's father. Joe Kennedy made a ton of money in banking and investing. And it was after a string of prestigious appointments for the FDR administration, he was given the post of American ambassador to the UK in the run-up to World War II. Now, Joe Kennedy didn't make a lot of friends during this time, as he was quite eager to make a deal with Hitler and regarded Britain with no small amount of disdain. But his story is for another day. Joe and his wife, Rose Elizabeth Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald being the F in JFK, had nine children. Their second-born, John, would become the 35th president of the USA. It was Joe's grand plan that his eldest son, also called Joe, would enter politics and eventually become president. But tragically, Joe Jr. was killed during World War II when the bomber he was flying exploded. Determined to have his family make their name in American politics, Joe Sr. shifted his attention to his second son, John, who became president in January 1961, having beaten opponent Richard Nixon in the race to the White House in the 1960 election. Okay, now some undisputed events of the assassination. The assassination took place on Friday, November 22, 1963. The president was on a visit to Dallas, Texas, in order to build bridges between opposing factions in the Democratic Party. After arriving at the Dallas Love Field Airport at about 11.30 in the morning, the presidential motorcade, made up of three cars, meandered along the planned route, which had been decided upon November 18th. Through Dallas they went, towards a luncheon being held at the Dallas Trademart. 
As Kennedy's car moved steadily and slowly down Dealey Plaza in downtown Dallas at about 12.30, three shots rang out from behind and above the presidential limousine. Let's call them Bullets 1, 2 and 3. Bullet 1 missed and struck the pavement. Bullet 2, the so-called magic bullet, hit Kennedy in the back and exited through his throat, just below his larynx. According to the Warren Commission, this was the bullet that went on to hit Governor Connolly, sitting in front of Kennedy. Upon being struck by bullet two, if you watch the Zapruder film, you can see Kennedy lift his clenched fists up to his chest and lean forward. This was probably enough to finish Kennedy off, and it's unlikely he would have survived even if the gunman had stopped shooting after bullet two. But then came bullet three, which took off part of Kennedy's skull and showered the inside of the limousine with blood, bone and brain. The motorcade then sped away towards Parkland Hospital, where Kennedy was pronounced dead at 1pm. Kennedy's death was announced to the press at 1.33pm. His security detail then hastily set about getting Kennedy's body out of Parkland Memorial Hospital. They briefly scuffled with the Dallas police and the county coroner, who said that Kennedy's autopsy should be done in Dallas. The Secret Service guys were having none of that, and eventually got their way. Just after 2pm, Kennedy's body was taken from the hospital and back to Dallas Love Field Airport, where Air Force One was waiting. Once on board, Lyndon B. Johnson is sworn in as the new president just before takeoff. Back in Dealey Plaza, the police had realised where the shooting had come from and had sealed off the Texas School Book Depository in the minutes after Kennedy was shot. It isn't long before an employee, one Lee Harvey Oswald, is reported as being missing. Co-workers also stated that they had seen him at the window on the sixth floor of the building where rifle cartridge shells were found. One guy actually came forward and told the police he had given Oswald a ride to work that morning and that Oswald had been carrying a long brown paper bag, which Oswald claimed contained curtain rods. Oswald's description was broadcast over the police channel as a suspect in the shooting. 45 minutes after the shooting and three miles away, Oswald is spotted walking in the Oak Cliff neighbourhood by a passing police cruiser. Upon being challenged by the lone police officer, Oswald shoots him four times, killing him and flees the scene, slipping into a movie theatre to hide out. Oswald is observed doing this by the manager of a store close to the movie theatre. The store manager tells the movie theatre kiosk clerk, who in turn calls the police. One hour and ten minutes after the shooting, the Dallas police arrest Lee Harvey Oswald in the movie theatre. Two days later, on Sunday the 24th of November, just before 11.30am, Oswald is being walked through the basement parking lot of the Dallas Police HQ on his way to county jail. He himself is then fatally shot live on TV by local nightclub owner Jack Ruby. He is declared dead at 1pm at the very same hospital which Kennedy had been rushed to just 48 hours earlier.
So those are the undisputed facts of the Kennedy assassination. But Kennedy was not the first president to be assassinated in the short 200-year history of the USA. He was actually the fourth. The second most famous presidential assassination took place in 1865. Abraham Lincoln. Here we're going to take a slight detour down Coincidence Alley. There are some startling coincidences between the Kennedy assassination and the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Here are just a few. Both Lincoln and Kennedy were elected to the presidency in the year 60. Lincoln in 1860, Kennedy a hundred years later in 1960. Both men were shot and killed on a Friday. Lincoln was shot on Good Friday, April 14th, 1865. Kennedy was shot on Friday, November 22nd, 1963. Both men were shot in the head. Both men were shot in the presence of their wives. Both men were assassinated by Southerners. Lincoln was shot by John Wilkes Booth from Maryland, and Kennedy was shot by Lee Harvey Oswald from New Orleans, Louisiana. Both assassins were known by their three names, John Wilkes Booth, Lee Harvey Oswald. Both of the president's successors were named Johnson. Lincoln was succeeded by Andrew Johnson, and Kennedy succeeded by Lyndon B. Johnson. Here's a weird one. Lincoln was shot in Ford's theatre. Kennedy was shot in a Ford car. Both Lincoln and Kennedy's secretaries warned them not to go to the place where they were assassinated. Kennedy's secretary was called Evelyn Lincoln. OK, enough of that. OK, now some possible reasons for the assassination. As you may know, there are a vast number of theories and hypotheses which claim to explain just why JFK was assassinated. Here is a list of the main suspects with their possible motives. Number one, perhaps laughably, Lyndon B. Johnson himself. A 2003 poll suggested that 20% of Americans believed that LBJ had some hand in the Kennedy assassination. Well, he did get the top job after the assassination, and those close to Kennedy claimed that were he to have run in the 1964 presidential election, LBJ would not have been his running mate. Number two, the military-industrial complex. It has been claimed by many conspiracy theorists that Kennedy intended to cease the United States' involvement in Vietnam. Doing so would cost those who had a vested interest in the coming war, i.e. the Pentagon and defence contractors who supply the military with its weapons, a great deal of money and embarrassment. There are those who believe the assassination of JFK was a fully orchestrated plot carried out by the government. Some people believe this because there were great discrepancies involving the reports that were compiled by the government agencies and local law enforcement in Dallas, where JFK was killed. The level of secrecy around JFK's death and the conflicting reports made many believe that the government was involved in the assassination. 
Many people also believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was used as a pawn in the government's plan to assassinate JFK. It is a fact that more than half of Americans alive today believe that there is a conspiracy linked to JFK's death. Number three, the Mafia and Cuban exiles. Despite the Warren Commission finding no evidence to link organised crime with the killing of JFK, they could not rule out the possibility of individual members of organised crime syndicates being involved. Jack Ruby himself had strong links to the Dallas underworld. Organised crime families had invested huge sums of money in pre-revolutionary Cuba. They ran the casinos and hotels, which were making them massive profits. Many high-level crime bosses blamed Kennedy for the failed Bay of Pigs invasion in 1961, in which Cuban exiles funded by the US government attempted to land in Cuba and overthrow Castro's regime. Several organised crime families had helped Joe Kennedy to get his son, JFK, elected in 1960. And as anyone who has ever seen The Godfather will tell you, those guys don't do favours for free. But how were they repaid for their help? RFK, Robert Fitzgerald Kennedy, Kennedy's brother, appointed as Attorney General by Kennedy himself, waged a relentless legal war on organised crime. The theory goes that JFK was killed to indirectly get Robert Fitzgerald Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Bobby, removed from his post as Attorney General. Number four, the Secret Service itself. It's a well-documented fact that those who were supposed to be protecting Kennedy that day massively dropped the ball. I mean, the guy got shot dead. What kind of protection is that? The House Select Committee on Assassinations concluded that, one, the Secret Service provided inadequate protection for JFK. You don't say. Another statement from the Department for the Bleeding Obvious. And two, the Secret Service did not properly prepare for the trip to Dallas by using and analysing certain information it had. Three, Kennedy was not sufficiently protected from sniper attack. Wow, another amazing insight. Seriously. So the Secret Service killed Kennedy by being crap? I don't buy that. But their involvement may not have been all that benign. More on this later. Number five, Lee Harvey Oswald. Any reason Lee Harvey Oswald had for killing Kennedy was taken to the grave with him. If Jack Ruby hadn't shot him, perhaps we would almost certainly have a whole different view and understanding of those events on the 22nd of November 1963. Oswald was only 24 at the time of the assassination, so were it not for Ruby's bullet, there's a chance that even well into the 21st century, Oswald could still be languishing in some jail cell somewhere. We can only speculate as to why he would have taken it upon himself to assassinate Kennedy. But he is a more likely suspect than conspiracy theorists would have you believe. Oswald was an angry, resentful and sullen character, given to fits of rage and violence towards his long-suffering wife. He was a secretive fantasist who had a somewhat warped sense of right and wrong, 
and harboured ambitions of becoming a guerrilla fighter in the struggle to establish a new world order. He idolised Castro and saw Cuba as some communist utopia. He was desperate to be seen as some important and powerful figure in the struggle against the oppressive hand of the USA. Some theorise that Oswald was a pawn of the USSR or was working for an anti-Kennedy political group. But it is totally possible that poor mental health and low self-esteem played an even bigger part than political ideology. Right, so let's have a look at the official government narrative now. Um, Oswald is the official government narrative of the Kennedy assassination. Officially, it was ex-Marine and, remember, expert marksman Lee Harvey Oswald, who acted alone in shooting Kennedy from the sixth floor window of the Texas School Book Depository building in which he worked. So why do the conspiracy theories persist? A few reasons. The Zapruder film, which wasn't shown publicly until 1975, shown on television, I believe, and was shot by one Abraham Zapruder, a man who watched the Kennedy motorcade pass by him on Dealey Plaza on the 22nd of November 1963, this film has become so ingrained in the American national consciousness and indeed the global consciousness. And the film, I, you must have seen it, it appears to show the third shot which took off part of Kennedy's skull coming from the front and right side. Um, this point was hammered home by Kevin Costner in the movie JFK as his character, Jim Garrison. He repeatedly shows this part of the film and Kennedy's movement after being struck by the third bullet, back and to the left, back and to the left. He keeps repeating this phrase. This would seem to suggest that a second gunman was somewhere around the grassy knoll on Dealey Plaza. Secondly, the conspiracy theories persist, I think, because Kennedy himself, he was so young and vivacious, he had a beautiful wife and... They were both treated like movie stars every place they went, even Texas, where he wasn't hugely popular, but was received very warmly. Kennedy promised a bright future for America. 30 years after the Great Depression, 20 years after World War II, 10 years after the McCarthy communist witch hunts, Kennedy, fresh-faced and full of vigour, was a symbol of what America could be as the world's number one superpower. There is a want among many in the US to believe that the world is controlled by unseen and malicious agents who didn't like the direction Kennedy was taking the free world, i.e. towards freedom. Being shot in Texas doesn't help either. The ghosts of the Civil War rising once more to show us that the lone star state has not forgiven or forgotten it basically boils down to good and evil. The belief in a bogeyman who controls everything from the world's finance to its weather is a very attractive prospect for some. The swift dispatching of Oswald by Jack Ruby just two days later after the assassination also lends credence to the theory 
of a conspiracy. Thirdly, nobody really wants to believe that it was so easy to kill the most powerful man in the world. If a single gunman, acting out of personal malice or political ideology, however misdirected, can kill the president with all his protection and in broad daylight, what hope do the rest of us have? This is chaos. It says that life is more fragile than we want to believe. That we are all, even the President of the United States, the most powerful man in the world, we are all hanging by threads. A belief in a conspiracy makes assassination remote, complex and rare. Okay, let's talk about the single bullet theory of the Warren Commission. Now, what was the Warren Commission? I've already mentioned it a couple of times today. Well, the Warren Commission was set up by the new president, Lyndon B. Johnson, his executive order, 11130. Um, He set up this commission to investigate the assassination seven days after Kennedy was shot. In September of 1964, the commission came out with its reports and concluded that Lee Harvey Oswald had acted alone in carrying out Kennedy's killing and that neither Oswald or Jack Ruby were party to any American or foreign conspiracy to assassinate Kennedy. The now famous single bullet theory, often called the magic bullet theory because of its comprehensive answer to all the questions surrounding the logistics of the assassination, explained what happened to the bullet that hit Kennedy in the back and exited through his throat. If you watch the Zapruder footage, which is on YouTube, it's the bullet which made Kennedy raise his hands to his chest with his fists clenched. The Warren Commission believed that because there wasn't all that much damage done to the inside of the limousine and that Texas Governor John Connolly was wounded. He was sat just in front of Kennedy. Uh, He was struck by a bullet too. They decided, well, it was probably the same bullet that hit them both. But despite its firm conclusions, the report of the Warren Commission failed to silence conspiracy theories surrounding the assassination. And in 1978, the House Select Committee on Assassinations concluded in a preliminary report that Kennedy was and I quote, probably assassinated as the result of a conspiracy that may have involved multiple shooters and organised crime. Something to think about. But the committee's findings, as with those of the Warren Commission, continue to be disputed. So what to believe? Well... Until recently, I would have stood shoulder to shoulder with those conspiracy theorists and said that there is something about this business that just does not add up. And I can see how so many people believe that either the CIA, mafia, Cuban exiles, someone had something to do with this other than Oswald. However, when I started to research the JFK assassination for this episode... I came across a theory which I had never heard before. It is this theory which I now regard to be the most likely candidate for the truth. And it is the theory that answers all those unanswerable questions surrounding those events in Dallas 
on the 22nd of November 1963. The theory is kind of in two parts. The first contends that the estimated position of Governor Connolly being in front of Kennedy in the limousine was wrong and that when Connolly is placed in his proper position where he was actually sat in the limousine, the magic bullet theory actually works. Second part of the theory goes like this. Yes, Kennedy was shot first by Oswald, bullet number two. Remember, bullet number one missed and hit the pavement. Or sidewalk. So bullet number two hit Kennedy. That was fired by Oswald, yes. But then, Kennedy was accidentally shot by his own Secret Service agent, George Warren Hickey Jr., who was riding in the car behind Kennedy. A lot to take in, right? Well, let's have a look at it in a little more detail. American firearms and ballistics expert Howard Donahue came up with this theory after investigating the assassination in depth in the early 1970s. And this is what he stated actually happened. Oswald fires bullet one, which misses Kennedy's car completely and hits the asphalt. Upon hearing this shot coming from behind him, Secret Serviceman Hickey turns and sees Oswald in the book depository window. Remember, Hickey is travelling in the car behind Kennedy. Hickey instinctively reaches for the AR-15 rifle under his seat, which is loaded and ready to go. Hickey begins to stand on his seat and lifts the gun in readiness to fire back at Oswald. Before Hickey can do this, Oswald fires again, bullet number two, which hits Kennedy in the throat and then goes on to hit Governor Connolly. Realising that something off script is going on, Kennedy's driver speeds up and, in turn, the driver of the car behind Kennedy's, in which Hickey is travelling, speeds up too. As a result of this sudden acceleration, Hickey, now standing in the car, loses his balance and accidentally fires his rifle, the AR-15, sending a bullet, bullet number three, right into Kennedy's skull, effectively killing him. There is a book called Mortal Error, written about this theory in 1992 by a journalist called Bonar Menninger. And I can tell you, this book drew no small amount of controversy. The reason I favour this theory is because it is so believable. How often has simple human error been the cause of so much tragedy, so much disaster? It was Oswald, but it was also an accident. The AR-15 rifle which Hickey was holding was notoriously unreliable and prone to going off accidentally, somewhat of a hair trigger. The insistence of the Secret Service that Kennedy's body be taken back to Washington for the autopsy fits in as well. The loose ends that just cannot be satisfactorily explained by the official account 
or by any of the conspiracies, are answered with this theory. There is one other thing that makes me believe this theory all the more. It's something that Jackie Kennedy said aboard Air Force One just two hours after the shooting. When asked by her aides whether she wouldn't like to change her pink Chanel suit, which was stained with the president's blood, you can see a picture of this on the internet. It's the one of LBJ being sworn in as president aboard Air Force One, and Jackie Kennedy is stood to his left, I believe, wearing this suit. Anyway, when her aides asked her whether she wouldn't like to change her suit, which was stained with the president's blood, she replied, and I quote, Oh no, I want them to see what they have done to Jack. Jack being John F. Kennedy. Jackie Kennedy had no regrets about wearing this suit as she stood next to LBJ as he was sworn in as president aboard Air Force One. But she did wish that she had not washed the blood from her face. Incidentally, this suit has never been cleaned and is stored out of public view in the National Archives in Maryland. Well, that's it for this week. And that's it for the Kennedy assassination. You make up your own mind. See you next time.